0: So I'm assuming some of you have um, opened gifts this morning, maybe others waiting on it, um, and there's some expectancy around that, I can imagine. Have any of you, so I'm going to have like one or two interactive questions, and then I won't after that, but anyone ever give or receive tickets on Christmas? Ever receive tickets for a gift or ever, okay, we have a couple nodding heads, okay, that's great. So that's, that's a wonderful gift to give. Um, years ago, my wife and I, this was a birthday event, not a Christmas event, but years ago, my wife and I gave our, our son two Red Sox tickets for his birthday. And we wrapped them up in this big box, and it was very light, of course, and so he can't figure out what it is. And he opens it up, and the Red Sox logo is on the tickets, and he is just thrilled. He's thrilled because he's a big Red Sox fan. And his first question is, when's the game? And he's holding the tickets, right? And it's like, well, look on the tickets and you'll see what the game date is. And the date of the game was September 8th. And he said, that's today. It was his birthday. We were able to get tickets for his birthday for the game. And so he was very excited and anticipated leaving for the game in just a couple of hours. Imagine if that game had been a month away or two months or this was kind of end of the season anyway, but what if it was the very end of the season or even maybe the next season? That anticipation would be building the whole time. Those tickets would be pinned to the bulletin board in his bedroom. He would look at them when he goes to bed. He'd be anticipating going to the game and watching his favorite team. The initial joy of receiving those tickets would be overshadowed by the anticipation of the event itself. Today, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. Jesus was an incredible gift from God to all mankind. and we celebrate that joyfully. That gift so long ago, however, was just the beginning. That birth was the ticket. Jesus came and that gift of Jesus Christ was the ticket to all mankind. His second coming is the event. And so we get to look forward, having received the ticket, we get to look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so today, as we celebrate Jesus' birth, let's eagerly anticipate Jesus' return. He's coming back. His coming the first time wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning of the story of redemption. Think about people in the Old Testament, and they had received prophecy after prophecy of a coming Messiah, and they eagerly looked forward to the Messiah's coming. And Jesus was going to come to earth to be with man. And the result of it was God with us, God with man. For centuries, faithful Jewish people had waited for the prophecies of the Messiah to be fulfilled. And one of the most famous of those is found in Isaiah 7:14, And I appreciate how the Holy Spirit put on John's heart this morning um, the, the, the passage in, in Matthew, which we'll be looking at in a few minutes, and has really focused our attention on this prophecy of God being with man. And Isaiah the prophet said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This is an astounding prophecy, astounding in many respects. One, in one respect, because a virgin would give birth. In another respect, because the virgin would give birth to the chosen one, to the son of David. And the best part, that God would take on human flesh and dwell among men. In Matthew's Gospel, he explains for us that Emmanuel means God with us. So why is this astounding? Because for centuries, God had lived in a tent or in a building. He had lived in the tabernacle or in the temple. That's where his presence was manifested for his people Israel. God's presence was manifested in only one place, the Holy of Holies, located in Jerusalem when the temple was built. God's presence was accessed by only one man, the high priest. God's presence was available only once a year, the day of atonement. When the the high priest would come in and he would offer atonement for the sins of the whole nation. And so God's presence was entered into for only one purpose, that was atonement. God's presence was exclusive and it was protected, and he emphasized his holiness in this. So it's astounding when Isaiah says that God will send a son whose name will be Emmanuel, God with us. It's astounding because par- prior to that, only one man in one place for one purpose on one day a year could go into God's presence. Now, the prophet proclaims that God was going to live among men. Think of the availability. All day, every day, wherever he went, with whomever he met. God was coming to live with a men, Emmanuel, God with us. How would this humanly impossible thing happen? Well, Matthew provides us with some very human details of how God was going to fulfill that promise. He begins in his gospel, and he begins the New Testament as a whole with the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, please. He gives us some specific details leading up to the birth of Jesus, focusing on the relationship of Mary and Joseph, the difficult circumstance with which Joseph was facing because of Mary expecting a child before they had been married. Can you imagine the difficult conversation that she had to have with Joseph explaining her circumstance? and Joseph's conundrum, his difficulty in wrestling with what to do, Matthew emphasizes Joseph's just character. It says he was a just man. That is, he is a righteous man. He is pursuing righteousness as a manner of life. He was oriented toward doing what was right. And as part of that justice, he was not willing to shame Mary. He did not feel like his reputation had to be protected or vindicated or that he needed retribution. He just wanted to have a wife who was faithful. And he didn't think that that was the case at that point. And he sat and he thought, he pondered, he considered what he would do. And at that point, we have the angel make an announcement. The angel intervened with an extraordinary revelation. And we see here in scripture, as God often did throughout scripture, using a desperate situation to create dependence in men for their good and for God's glory. As Joseph is thinking, God intervenes. What did the angel have to say? Well, his message was composed of a few elements. He addresses Joseph as son of David. He reminds him of his family lineage, being part of the royal family. And by implication, he reminds him of the promise of the Davidic covenant, of the coming Messiah. He encourages Joseph. He says, don't fear. I'm sure there was a lot of fear that was involved in that situation at that time. Don't fear, because this is God's will, is what he was saying. Your righteous character is not at stake here. Your God will not be displeased if you take Mary to be your wife. He explains the problem. He explains it in a way that Joseph will believe it. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mary has not been unfaithful. The Holy Spirit has acted supernaturally. The angel makes the announcement. She's going to have a son. It's a boy. A wonderful announcement. And then he instructs Joseph what to name the boy. Name him Jesus. And there's meaning to that. The name of Jesus means Jehovah, the Savior. So he will name him Jesus because this little boy will save his people from their sins. That's why he is coming. This extraordinary little boy will do, for, do what none of us can do for ourselves, and that is to save us from our sins. So after this announcement in, Math, ends, Matthew gives a little commentary, and here's where he quotes Isaiah. Matthew filled his gospel with citations and quotations from the Old Testament because he was writing to the Jewish people. In an effort to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. And this is his first opportunity and he takes it and gives a clear quotation of Isaiah 7.14. He explains all this in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord's had spoken by the prophet. In other words all of these events are occurring because the prophet had spoken and this was in fulfillment of the prophecy. And then he explains the prophecy itself: a, a unique child is going to be born, God Himself, in human flesh. The sign is that the Son will be born of a virgin, a humanly impossible event, and it becomes a signpost on the road of history that a divine person is coming, because with God all things are possible. And then, then Matthew gives the interpretation of the name Emmanuel, God with us. The baby that is conceived by God would be both man and God. He would live with men on earth. This is an incredibly unique event. It has only happened one time in human history. It will never happen again. Never before had a child been born who did not have an earthly biological father. Never before had God become a man. Never before had God lived among men. The Apostle John also recounted the birth of Jesus and talked in a more philosophical way in in chapter 1 of John. And he focuses on God living among men. John refers to Jesus as the word he says in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth in this verse John lets us know that though he was God Jesus became a human and he lived with men on earth he dwelt among us he became flesh. He took on the flesh and bones of human body. This word dwelt is a verb, uh, a verb usage of a noun, tent or tabernacle. So it could be said that he tabernacled among us. It's meant to indicate the temporary nature of the structure of the human body. We aren't meant to live in human flesh forever. Jesus Christ came from heaven's glory to live among sinful men. Just let that sink in for a minute. He left all that heaven is with all its glory and all the praise that he was receiving on a constant basis and he came to live among men where none of that was happening. And this is what Israel had eagerly been waiting for. It's a revolutionary concept that God would dwell among men. It's a startling revelation from this angel. It's an expectation creating prophecy from Isaiah, and it was about to be fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. What a cause for celebration. Jesus coming to earth to live among men. Israel was about to receive the gift of an unbelievable, one-of-a-kind ticket. Jesus, the long awaited Messiah, was about to come to earth, and Israel expects to live happily ever after. They didn't put the whole story together in the Old Testament, and frankly, we wouldn't have either if we were there. We look back with 2020 hindsight and we're able to put things together now now, and we see that two Advents is what God had in mind. They didn't understand the totality totality of God's plan unexpectedly to people in that era. Jesus didn't come to earth the first time to live among men forever but that was just the first time. Jesus came to this earth to dwell among men, and then he left men on earth to go to heaven. But the result was just as unexpected as the first one, and that is that God would be in us. Before his public ministry, we know that Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He lived among the people of Galilee. We know that he traveled to Jerusalem with his parents. And then after 30 years of living here on earth, he began to minister. And for three years, he lived with his disciples as an itinerant teacher. And he did things that only God could do. He healed generously. He taught perfectly. He even raised the dead to life. But surprisingly, in spite of this name, Emmanuel, his plan was not to live among men continuously yet. John records for us several conversations that Jesus had with his disciples about his plans. This is during the Passion Week. And he explains that his presence was temporary. You may remember after the Last Supper, Jesus washed the disciples' feet in the upper room. And then there's a long long narrative that he gives to them. He has some bad news for them. Bad news from their point of view. Three pieces of bad news specifically. First of all, that one of them would, would betray him. Second, that Peter would deny him. And third, that he was going away and they couldn't come. Can you imagine those things piling up on the disciples in rapid fire fashion after dinner? In John 13:33, this is part of that conversation. Jesus said to the disciples, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. He would no longer be God with us to the disciples. Can you imagine how hard that was to hear? Can you imagine how hard that was to process? These are individuals who had grown up their entire lives waiting for the Messiah to come to earth, expecting that he would change everything forever. And then when he came and they found him, they thought that he would be with them forever. But Jesus also had some good news. He was sending a substitute, and a substitute would be permanent. So while he was leaving, temporarily, his substitute would be permanent. Just a little later in the same conversation, in John 14, He explains to the disciples and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth and the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Did you catch those words? He will be with you forever. What comfort. In their being distraught at the bad news that Jesus had given to them, I wonder if these words sunk in. I wonder if they heard them, if they understood them, the significance of them. So Jesus wasn't abandoning his disciples. He wasn't leaving them without spiritual help. He was foretelling the coming of the Holy Spirit who wouldn't just live with them, who wouldn't just dwell among them, but rather he would live in them. Another completely revolutionary concept. Think about this. Instead of God in one place living among us, Jesus Emmanuel, there would be God living in us. Every believer since then has had the privilege of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So for those of us who know Jesus Christ, who have put their trust in him, please consider the impact of this promise he has given his spirit to live within us his presence within us is our reality it's not just a nice thought it's not a fantasy there's a practical there's practical um, results from that first of all we don't have to pray god please be with us because he already is in us perhaps we pray god help me to sense your presence because sometimes we feel far away because of our sin that separates us from God. But we don't have to ask him to be with us. He's already here in us. We don't have to feel alone because he's here and he wants relationship with us. We don't have to be afraid. He is here and offers protection to us. And we don't have to sin because he wants to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in us if we will allow the Spirit to control us and to fill us. For now, we don't have Jesus with us, but we have God, the Holy Spirit, in us, everywhere, every believer, all the time. What a cause to celebrate. Jesus left earth so that the Holy Spirit would live in men, that we could be with, that he could be with each one of us wherever we are. Wake up in the middle of the night and he's there with us. You go on vacation and he's there with us. We go to work and he's there with us. We sit at home with family and he's there with us. We are never alone. The joy of receiving the ticket of Jesus coming to this earth to live among men is unexpectedly now multiplied by the benefit of the Spirit living in us, all of us that are believers. What could be better? Oh, but it gets better. This indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us as believers is not the end point of our relationship with God. Jesus Christ is coming back to live with us once again. Jesus is coming to earth to be with man again. And the result will be God with us again, but this time forever. Go back to that after supper conversation in which Jesus was talking to the disciples that he was going away. He also told them that he was coming back. He wasn't leaving permanently. He promised to come back so that they could be with him again. He made a promise to the disciples. Emmanuel, God with us, once again, would be their reality John fourteen three he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. In the moment, this was a small consolation, this promise. They didn't want Jesus to leave. It was awesome having Jesus with them there all the time. When they had a question, they could ask him. When there was someone that needed to be healed, they could present him to them. When they needed wisdom, that he would impart it. They didn't want Jesus to leave. Or at the very least, they wanted to go with him wherever he was. Decades later, later, after penning his gospel and receiving more revelation, John the Apostle had more to say about this topic at the end of his other big book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And in this, Jesus makes a promise to all believers to summarize what has gone on in the book of Revelation, there's seven years of tribulation and then Jesus returns and takes his saints home to be in heaven. And then Jesus, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Jesus comes and takes his, his saints home Then there's seven years of, revela- of, of tribulation and then Jesus returns in, Re- in Revelation 19 to reign on earth for 1,000 years. And at that point, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire and the unbelieving dead are judged at the great white throne. And after all the turmoil and conflict and terrible judgment that those chapters describe, in Revelation 21, God makes a new heaven and a new new earth. And the perfection of creation order is restored, including God dwelling among men again. And that takes us to Revelation 21 and verse 3. John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This dwelling place, this is that tabernacle word again. He will dwell, He will live, He will take up residence with people again. And so we see the beautiful story of God living with men coming full circle. We heard at the, from the scripture reading that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked with them in the garden for a short time until sin separated them. And then God lived in a tabernacle and then the temple while worshipers came and sought relationship with him through sacrifice for a a few short centuries and then jesus came and lived among men for a few short decades and then the holy spirit came and lives in believers continuing today and it's been a few short millennia (laughs) jesus is going to return and once again god will dwell with men and this time it won't be short it will be forever a very long forever. What is the common thread here? What is it that God wants? What is it that he is doing? He created us with the intention of having relationship with us. That's what he wants. He wants to live with us, among us, in us, forever. God wants a relationship with you and with me that's what we are created for he went to extraordinary lengths to have this relationship If you know Jesus Christ this morning please consider this about his presence while the Holy Spirit living in us now is awesome Jesus is coming back to be with us forever so we should eagerly look forward to Jesus's return Not just so that we can leave this earth and all its troubles and trials and difficulties and heartache. But to be with him forever. That's why heaven is awesome. Not because we just get to leave this earth. That's just like an ancillary benefit. But because God is there. Because Jesus is there. The one who saved us. Let's live this truth daily. Let's live expectantly. This should affect the way we live today and every day. But for today, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ coming to earth to live among men, let us also celebrate Jesus' promised return. He's coming back, and we will be with him forever. If you're with us today and don't know Jesus yet, you haven't put your faith completely in him as your personal Savior, please consider his intentions towards you. God sent Jesus from heaven to earth. Jesus humbled himself to become a baby and live on this earth. And he did it in a perfect way. He lived a perfect life. He did that so that he could pay for our sin on the cross. He rose in victory over death and that paved the way to a relationship with God. Why did he do that? He did that for this reason. God wants a relationship with you and with me. God wants you to come to him through Jesus because he is the only way. The question is, what kind of relationship do you want with him? The Holy Spirit and the church long for Jesus' return to earth. This is noted in Revelation 22, and we invite you to come to him. The Spirit and the bride say, come. When they say come, they're speaking to Jesus in the context and let the one who says, hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Now, the, the attention is turned to the one who is thirsty, the one who is in need of reconciliation in life, the one for whom life is meaningless, who is not trusted in the Savior. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It's called a gift. Jesus is coming back, and we anticipate being in his presence with him, forever jesus holds the door open for you to come through to have relationship with god to be able to live with him forever this is what he wants so today as we celebrate jesus's first coming let's eagerly anticipate jesus's second coming too the birth of jesus christ was the greatest ticket ever given to the greatest event that will ever occur Jesus coming back to live with, his, with believers forever. Jesus came the first time to save us. He left and gave his spirit to guide us and he's coming back to be with us again forever. Father, as we contemplate your word this morning, we're so grateful for Jesus Christ and for him coming to this earth that he would be willing to do what he did for us so that we could have a relationship with you and live with you forever. We celebrate the birth of Jesus this morning. We look forward to the return of Jesus. We ask that he would come soon. We ask it for your glory. Amen.